and I would like to use this opportunity to welcome those who are worshipping with us on that uh, at this time. Uh, LiveGate Outreach TV is a channel we have on YouTube and also, as I said, we have podcasts on iTunes and uh, Buzzsprouts. You can always find us in these places by just typing in LiveGate Outreach Center. So if you are listening to the audio of this message, God bless you where you are. May the Lord increase you and reach you mightily in Jesus' name. I want to say that today, by the grace of God, we are starting a new series. And this series will go for the next eight weeks. That is the next eight Sundays, starting from this Sunday, right through to Easter. Praise the Lord. The year is going so fast that if we don't run it, we run past us. I think you'll just wake up one day and find that you're in December before you know it. So we have to really be very fast with the year. This is how times are moving so quickly. But we're starting a new series today on walking with the Holy Spirit. This is the general theme for the next eight weeks, walking with the Holy Spirit, understanding the Holy Spirit and what God uh, expects of us. But the sub-theme which we'll be using is the Holy Spirit, our helper. And I want to start with that today. The Holy Spirit, our helper. For the next eight weeks, you'll be seeing this banner, which just basically says the Holy Spirit is my helper. Say with me, the Holy Spirit is my helper. So we want to understand the Holy Spirit, my helper, from the seven spirits of God that the Lord declared, according to Isaiah chapter 11 and several other references of scripture. The Bible makes us to understand that he is the spirit of the Lord, he is the spirit of wisdom, he is the spirit of understanding, he is the spirit of counsel, he is the spirit of might, he is the spirit of knowledge, and he is the spirit of the fear of God. By the grace of God, we will be looking at these in the next eight sessions, as I said. This very session is just on understanding the Holy Spirit as our helper. And then the other seven will look at the sevenfold manifestation of the Spirit of God. If you were not here, earlier on in the service, we read from John chapter 14, verse 1 to verse 27 as our scripture reading. And um, from that scripture reading, we see Jesus say some very fundamental things. This was a time in the journey of Jesus and his disciples, and he was beginning to now tell them to prepare that he will be leaving them. He had recruited them, 12 of them that were very close to him, and he had been speaking to them and inputting into them that they were going to be the people who would forefront his church. He said, I will build my church. And um, he, said, he said to them at a point in Matthew 18, he said, he said, upon the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God that Peter gave, he said, I will build my church. And um, he was preparing these dear ones to be the foundational members of the church. So a time came, he was now preparing them to let them know that he is about to leave. You know, when you have somebody close to you very physically and you are seeing each other, and when the time is coming that you know you are going to leave, you need to start to prepare their minds because you, you are going to go for a long time. Um, I don't know about you, but I do that with my family, especially my children when they were much younger. I used to just basically, if I know I'm going to live for some time, I try to bond for a few days and then I just put a few things into them. And then I do my trip and go for two weeks or whatever time I need to go. And then when I come back, obviously I prepared them and uh, it's easier to rebond with them. So Jesus began to prepare the disciples. He said, I'm about to go, but you see where I'm going is in verse 1. And if we look at John 14, verse 1, he said, I'm going, so let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
because there will be the tendency for your heart to be troubled. I've always been there with you. I've always been able to answer your questions. Now, when the time comes when you have questions and you can't find me, you may be disturbed. Remember when they were in the boat? My, one of my favorite stories of scripture, when they were in the boat and uh, the, boat, the, the, the waves were turning and tossing the boat up and down, they quickly ran to him. They said, Master, don't you care if we perish? You see, and then he had to rebuke the wind and he put their mind at rest. So he knew that they would still face such situations. They would face persecutions. They would be distracted. There will be so many things that will want to make the journey very hard. So he said to them, let not your heart be troubled. And this word was not just for 12 people. It is still for the church today. And every one of us must understand that trouble, anxiety, fear are not in the package as far as our spirituality and Christianity is concerned. These are devices of the devil to derail us and to make life difficult so that we give up, so that we get frustrated, so that we stop running the race. But the Lord will continue to empower us all in Jesus' name. So he said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, in my father's house are what? Many mansions. You have it on the screen. You can read with me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's such a very wonderful thing. And this is what a father does. This is what a person would usually do if you are relocating. When I was to... Uh, leave my home country about 17 and a half years ago now to come and settle in this country. I told my wife these same, almost similar words. I said, I'm going now and I'm going to prepare a place for us. And uh, when you come, you will receive, I will receive you there and then we will continue life there. So I came in here, spent about two months, got a house. It was not the most fantastic of houses, but then I got a place all the same. And um, I, um, you know, went to the airport two months later to receive them. My eldest son was just two and a half years old at that time. So you can see that it is uh, something that you should do to prepare yourself for where, you, where, where the Lord wants to take you. But at the same time, Jesus did the same thing for us. The Bible says he came and he said to them, I will go and prepare a place for you. This verse 3, every believer must read this scripture every day, every time. Meditate on it. If your heart is fixed on verse 3, no matter what you face as life challenges, they pale into insignificance every time you remember that I am on a journey. This is a surgeon. No matter what you attain in this life, no matter how beautiful and comfortable life can be, there is a place that is prepared for you as a child of God. And there is Jesus who is coming back to receive you and I to go to that place. This particular revelation sorts out many challenges of today. It takes away stress. It takes away strife. It takes away weariness. I don't know about you, but when I look forward to going somewhere and uh, there is a, a place I want to go and, and it's so, so obvious that it's going to be a, a, an enjoyable trip, once my heart is set on it, my, my, my entire being continues to look forward to that day when I will be taken to that place. And this is the same thing Jesus wanted the disciples to get. 
These are the things that the, 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 that Jesus wanted the disciples to understand. That he is going to prepare a place for them. And so they should not be troubled. Amen. Tell your neighbor for me, stop being troubled. He's prepared a place for you. You will get there. When we understand these truths, it takes away, like I said, many things. Some of the issues we have in church life, generally, globally speaking, in the body of Christ, will not be there. Why would believers be fighting? When they know that there is a better place, why would they be fighting for the little space that they are there to worship God today? Why would believers be stressed? Why would believers be worried? Why would they be anxious? If they know that there is a better place that Jesus has gone to prepare, what we need to do is to keep remembering these words. But you see, because we cannot in our capacity remember those words, he now promised that whilst we are waiting to go to that place, he's going to send us a helper. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes. He went and he told them, he said, the Father will send us another helper. This is what he said in verse 15 of John 14. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16, let's read together. And I will... Pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Somebody say, another helper. Say, another helper. That is to say, I have helped you up to this point. I called you. I got you saved. I have, I have given you the word. I have given you the message. I have helped you in the journey. But my Father, who sent me, will also send you another, another helper that will do what? Abide. With you forever. And verse 17 says, He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Friends, this is a helper that has been given. The Holy Spirit is a helper. He is meant to help us. The word helper interchangeably means counselor. It also means advocate. It also means comforter. All those things. Teacher. They are, they are, they, he helps you in different ways. When he is your counselor, he is telling you the things in the word that you should remember to help you. To live your life. To fix your marriage. To work where you work. To be diligent. So he counsels you from his word. Everything that has been spoken and has been written, the helper comes to remind you. At times, he brings you a word of comfort. Like in Isaiah 40, verse 1, he said, Comfort my people, comfort ye my people, says the Spirit of the Lord. Because he wants you to always enjoy the comfort of Scripture. So the Holy Spirit is also your advocate. All these words mean the same thing in the Greek word, fundamentally meaning parakletos. Paracletos is the same word that is, is used to derive the word paraclete, which means the spirit that comes alongside, para, parallel, attached to, coming alongside. Praise the Lord. So every time the Holy Spirit is with you and monitoring you on your journey, you need to understand him as a person whom God has given to be by you and to be with you always. Amen. So he functions as the comforter, he functions as our counselor, he functions as that helper that Jesus has promised. In John, that same John chapter 14 verse 26, 
He said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. This is so vital. Every time we lack the wisdom, the insight, the know-how, the Holy Spirit is given to us to teach us all things. And this works everywhere, every time. Everywhere. It's not just to teach you the things of scripture or to remind you that John 3.16 says God so loved the world he gave. Or John 10.10 says this and that. That's not the only thing that the Holy Spirit teaches you. Luke 21.15, he said even when you are brought before the temple courts and you are brought before the magistrates, he said don't worry what you will say that hour. Remember that the Holy Spirit will give you the words in your mouth. Hallelujah. He will give you the divine abilities to do many things. So when Jesus was leaving, all his disciples were truly greatly distressed. They were worried. They were afraid. Because they know that his comforting presence will no longer be with them. But Jesus said to them, do not let your heart be troubled. And I want to repeat those words to you today, dear friends. Anytime you find your heart stressed, anytime you find your heart being troubled, remember That he has given you the Holy Spirit to comfort you. Life can be overwhelming at times. Some of us have come from very distant countries. And like I always tell my friends around the world. That we actually live two lives. You are living here. But at the same time you are living there. Because everything that is happening there is in your head. They tell you all the time. The person that is sick. The person that is in trouble. The one whose fees has not been paid. And all those things. And many of us live these lives. Now you cannot do all that in your physical strength. It's impossible. It's impossible. And you are keeping up with the challenges this side of the world. It's virtually impossible. You need the Holy Spirit to help you, give you insight into the things that you ought to do in every case. But I want us to to know something. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is not just a spirit. We need to understand that he is a person. This is very important. Very, very important. Because we use the words like Holy Spirit, especially Holy Ghost. After all, ghost is uh, the image of, of somebody that is dead, isn't it? It's not Holy Ghost because God the Father died or Jesus died and then he is now the, the ghost of Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, he's only called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And we must understand him that he is the third person in the Trinity. Right from Genesis chapter 1, we see the Trinity in action. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void. Read it with me. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And what? The Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit, was what? Hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3. Then God said, Let there be light And there was light. Verse 3 is an embodiment of the three of them. The Bible says, verse 2, the Holy Spirit was hovering upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. The spoken word is Jesus Christ. That's why John 1.1 tells us that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Talking about Jesus. Verse 14 he says. And that word became flesh. And dwells amongst men. So we know that the word of God. Is Jesus Christ. So when God said. God spoke. He made Jesus 
take charge of the creative power that was supposed to make light happen. But the spirit of God that hovers upon the face of the deep is what creatively enables the light to come. And so we must understand that they are functioning together as one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one being but with three distinct personalities. I like one illustration that Pastor Benny Hinn gave many, many years ago. I heard that from him almost 30 years ago, in the very late 80s, 88 there about. In fact, 30 years ago this year, how time flies. And he said, we must always remember the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, like the sun. When you look at the sun, the sun that you see is like God the Father. Just to try to get us to understand. The light that shines from it is Jesus Christ. And the heat we feel from it is the Holy Spirit. Everything related to the sun. And we can see it that way. Praise the Lord. And so everything is distinct. When we can't see the sun, we see the light. We can't see the sun, we feel the heat. We understand that the sun is there. The same way we know God the Father is there. The manifestation of Jesus we know through the word. The manifestation of the spirit of God is to comfort us. To teach us. That still small voice. Romans 8.16. It keeps bearing with our spirit that we are the sons of God. It keeps assuring us that we are children of God. Amen. So we need to understand the Holy Spirit in this way. There are several scriptures that show us. That he is equated to the Godhead. We can't go into all of them. But I'll just give you some you can write. Acts chapter 5. From verse 3 to 5. There was something that happened. Ananias was a man who uh, was married to a woman called Sapphira. And the church had agreed that they would sell their land in Acts 4. And bring the proceeds to the feet of the apostles. But Ananias did not. Ananias was not. um, You know. Did not bring all the money. With his wife. The Bible says, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price? Somebody say, he said he lied to the Holy Spirit. You see? So, and then verse 4. Verse 4, he now said, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to who? To God. One verse he calls him the Holy Spirit. The next verse he calls him God. So they are one and the same. Praise the Lord. In Psalm 139 verse 7 to 8. The Bible makes us to see that it was important for us to realize that the omnipresent nature of God is also the same with the Holy Spirit. He said where do I go from the Spirit of God. How can I go from the Spirit of God? If I go to the heavens, he's there. If I go to the depths of the seas, he is also there. So the Spirit of God is also omnipresent like we know of God the Father. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is the doing person of the Godhead. He is the power person. He is the dunamis person. He is the one that comes to walk in you to will and to do of the good pleasure of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that works in you both to be able to achieve the things that God wants you to achieve for yourself and also to be able to do for others. Amen. So very quickly, I want us to just look at a few ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. The first way I'd like us to look at is that he gives us access to the deep things of God. Say the Holy Spirit gives me access to the deep things of God. 
You see, the deep things of God are the things that God has packaged in his word as mysteries. Colossians 1, 26 and 27 tells us that the mystery, the mystery is Christ in us and is the hope of glory. But I'd like us to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, let's read together. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit constantly searches the deep things of God. You see, there are deep things of God that should apply to every facet of your life. Your spiritual life, your marital life, your relationship with your children. There are deep things of God that applies to every profession, everything that you do in business. There are deep things of God that apply to your personal life that you need to understand. You cannot understand them with sense knowledge. A lot of people try to read the Bible to understand the the ways of God with sense knowledge. This is why the Bible says concerning Moses that he knew the ways of God, but the people that he was, he was leading only knew the acts of God. Because Moses had access to the deep things of God. He was talking to God face to face, as it were, mouth to mouth, so he could find the deep things of God. Spiritual life that does not have access to the deep things of God can be a very frustrated life. Because somehow you can see what you should be, but the ability to connect to it will be like a gulf. You need the Holy Spirit that keeps searching all things and he keeps searching those deep things and he keeps revealing them to you by his spirit. Praise the Lord. This is so important. It is a mystery that relieves you of many, many challenges of life. The moment God helps you to understand the deep things of God in certain areas, freedom comes. When Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, it's talking about the deep things of God. That's why he calls him the spirit of truth in John 14. He calls him the spirit of truth. When he comes, John 14, 15, he said he's the spirit of what? Of truth. He said when he comes, he will show you. Hallelujah. That's verse 17. John 14, 17. He said he's the spirit of truth. So when Jesus said you shall know the truth, it means you shall have a koinonia, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit who searches the deep things of God and then he will help you to see. Before I got married in August 1995, it was just about five months to our wedding, I, I, uh, I was just praying and trusting God that um, December will come basically because we were just planning and just waiting for, we had fixed the date, so things were happening. Just one day out of nowhere, he came to me, the Holy Spirit came to me. He said, son, you're about to get married. He said, you know what? You can make your marriage a prison or a paradise. It is your choice. Your marriage can be a prison or a paradise. He said, there is no marriage made in heaven. He said, wise couples only walk with me to make a heaven of their marriage. And those words were deep. I never heard them from any preacher. It is not written in that way in the Bible. But since that day, I had a freedom even before I got married. So anytime I see the element of prison in my marriage where there is tension and everything, I remember that it's a choice. I remember that it's a choice. I can make a choice to turn it around to a paradise. 
and it has worked for me for more than 22 years. Praise the Lord. There are certain things that when the Holy Spirit brings out of the deep and it throws into you, you find a freedom every time you come to that challenge. Hallelujah. He said to me that there is no marriage made in heaven. Before that time, I used to, have you, how many of you have heard, oh, that marriage is made in heaven? You have heard it, you have said it, we've all said it. Oh, those people, they are married. There is no marriage made in heaven. No marriage. He said, wise couples only walk with me to make a heaven of their marriage. May God help you to make a heaven of your marriage. In the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit teaches us the deep things of God. Number two, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. This is very important. You see, in Romans chapter 8 verse 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know. Somebody say, we do not know what we should pray. Is this not a mystery? Many times we think we know what we should pray. If I say, brethren, let us rise up and pray now. Before I even finish prayer points, all of you are praying. People always think they know what they should pray. Because we we are children of God, so we always think we know what we should pray. But look at what the Bible says. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We don't even know the way to put it. He said, but the Spirit, what? Himself. The Spirit himself takes it upon himself to make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. This is why every one of us must allow ourselves to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we can pray in understanding. Because there is a place to pray in understanding. Matthew 6 tells us, he said, when you pray, say. When you pray, say. Jesus said to the disciples, when you pray, say. So there is no doubt we will pray and we will say. But there are times we must understand that we do not know. Friends, I want you to know that God is very much interested in you overcoming. Jesus in Matthew 7, 7 said, ask, you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. But you see, if you don't ask correctly, and you ask amiss, you will not receive anything. But the Holy Spirit will keep helping you to know how to ask. I say, he will keep helping you to know how to ask. In the name of Jesus. So prayer is our key to receiving. So the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Finally, the Holy Spirit also empowers us to serve. Many of us are trying to serve God and we know it is right to serve God. But you see, it's not by power nor by might, but by his spirit. The Holy Spirit, as we're going through this series, you will find that one of the things he does is that he gives you physical might. He's the spirit of might, isn't it? He gives you physical might. We need to understand how it is. Without the might of God, some of us have been committing to prayers 5 a.m. For, for about four, three, four weeks now. 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. almost every day in this church and it's still carrying on by the grace of God. And you know, it takes might. It takes might. If you lead a busy life, it takes the spirit of might. You can't do it by yourself. Don't trust. Alarm clock will, will, will be talking. You, 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 you will slap it as they go away. <laughs> When you are really tired. So you, you, you need the spirit of God to help you in those ways. This time yesterday, I had already reached Essex. I was already on my way back. And we had prayer. I had gone down there. I was already on my way back. And there is service today. There is prayer today. There is preparation for today and all that. You cannot do these things in your own capacity. You need to let the Holy Spirit continue to empower you. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The Bible says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. 
There is a manifestation of the spirit that is given to you. For you to use the gift that he has given you so that the body of Christ can benefit. May you continue to enjoy it. I say may you continue to enjoy it. In the name of Jesus. Verse 11 says, But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Tell your neighbor for me, there is something he has given you. Use it to his glory. Let him empower you. It's not by your own power, nor your might, but by his spirit. I want you to know that there is nothing you will do successfully for God. When we talk about these gifts, it is not just about what we do in church. You see, where God has called you into the business world, education world, whatever you, wherever you are, practicing in healthcare and these places, is a mission field for you. And you must understand that God empowers you to be able to work for him in that place. This empowerment will give you wisdom to be a missionary in that place. It will give you the ability to keep going in the face of persecution. You may not be clubbing and whining and dining with them. And as it were, may lose out on some juicy positions. You understand what I'm talking about? But the, t- the reality is that with the Holy Spirit working in you, he gives, us, he gives you and I a voice that cannot be denied. There is a way God can work for you that it makes it impossible for the system to deny you. I pray that that grace will come upon you. In the name of Jesus. When you contribute to a system in a way that is undeniable and there is nobody that can contest with it, they cannot victimize you. Your name may be 25 characters long. They will pronounce it when God gives you voice. Have you ever seen that? (laughs) It's because there is no contribution. That's why they are saying they don't know how to pronounce your name. If you are responsible for signing somebody's food, he will pronounce your name. Mr. Olok, Olok, Alake, Olake, Olake. Rise to your feet and let's pray. Well,